Welcome back to Netflix and Kill, the podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting the horror films of Netflix. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. I'm Hannah. And I'm JV. Hi, everyone. Ah, Welcome back. back. Hello, all. Lovely to be back. I'm so bummed I wasn't here for the last time uh, you graced us with your presence because that perfume... Yes. Movie sounded bananas. I so good. I watched that movie like several more times since we did that Mm -hmm. podcast, and I also read the book. Yeah, it's so good. I going through the like. I listened to the audiobook of that. First of all, brilliant audiobook, just wonderful. Also, love that it's one of those rare audiobooks that ends like at a. Like at like a with a zero zero, like it ends at a very specific time. Like it's a at, by which I mean not the like contents of the book, but like the 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 like time on the audiobook. It's like twelve hours, but it like means it or something like that. Like it's like actually twelve yeah. hours. Like, like exactly. Yeah. Like there's some about that that just feels magical. But um I that audiobook was full of like real wild things. There was, like, a moment in there where there was, like, something about, like, trying to grow plant-animal hybrids. Like, I don't know how to explain that, but there is a section there about, like, a French king who was absolutely off his gourd and was... (laughs) He was trying to make Pokemon. (laughs) He was planting... Bull seed, for lack of a better way to de- to describe that, um, in the ground oh. to to grow more, to grow more cattle or some weird shit. I mm. don't know. It doesn't I make mean, any sense. We call <laughs> it a seed. Maybe it works that way. I feel like that was the logic, but that was like a section of the book. And it was only like a paragraph, and I had to go back and re-listen to it like three times. I thought I was losing my fucking mind. <laughs> like, wait, what? why is this happening? I'll I'll find the clip and post it on social media because it's just it's insane. It is an insane moment in the thing. But anyway, <sighs> uh, so today we are here to talk about uh, the twenty twenty one, not really reboot sequel. Re- Requel, as they called it in the new stream, uh, of oh, Candyman. <laughs> yeah. It is uh, Nia DaCosta's Candyman. I must make that clear. Jordan yes. Peele produced it. He did not direct it. Nia DaCosta is the director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though I do a little bit wish that he had maybe done a wee bit of maybe writing on it. Possibly. Uh, Didn't he? I feel like he consulted on the screenplay. There were like three names listed when they were doing the screenplay listing. Maybe that could have had, maybe he could have done a little more. Um, uh, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I, I have some spicy takes and here they are already. Mm. Just we're starting off with them a little bit. I do love Do we want to start? Though. Do we want to start with like just a little summary and then we can get into the spicy? Hell yeah. 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 Yes. All right. So uh, the new Candyman <laughs> takes place uh, decades later uh, from the previous Candyman. And it 
follows characters Anthony and Brianna, who uh, live in this, like, gentrified neighborhood. So the Cabrini Green and all of that from the last movie has been torn down, and they've built these, like, fancy high-rise apartments. And Anthony is an artist, and Brianna is, like, an art curator. And so uh, he feels, like, pressure to... Um, provide all this art for this upcoming show. And that's where he stumbles across the Candyman legend. Because mm-hmm. he goes... I think uh, Brianna's brother tells that story at dinner. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Brianna has a brother who is very gay and mm-hmm. <laughs> extra. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. love him. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, so as Anthony gets pulled further and further into this Candyman story, uh, he begins to get obsessed with it. He has bee stings all over him. There's some really, really wonderful body horror. Mm -hmm. And then people uh, keep dying because he summoned Candyman. Yep. Yep. And then... then, uh, So, do we want to... Do we want to, like... Go into like the spoiler ending, or do we want to like just like go into it naturally as we talk? I feel like let's tell them a couple of the spoilers because there are several. Okay, so um, first off, we find out Anthony is baby Anthony from the first movie, um, and Candyman has kind of set his eyes on Anthony because of the summoning ritual and like kind of in like a succession way basically like you're the next candy man and i chose Mm -hmm. you as a baby and i'm going to uh continue that yeah yeah so in this movie you find out there's like multiple people who Mm -hmm. are candy man it's not just one candy man there's many candy men uh from throughout history and they tell this. Oh, this was. I've got to mention the shadow puppets because it's so oh, cool. God. Yeah, oh, that was the, yeah. The shadow the puppets, shadow puppets they, are like yeah, my favorite thing. They tell the backstories through shadow puppets, and then in the end credits of the movie too, they have like the shadow puppets, and oh, I loved that. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if Nia DaCosta is like super. I don't actually know a ton about her. Um, I know she's a super young director, and I think she's going to be directing Captain Marvel two or something. Yeah, but she's she must have a lot of friends in the the art scene or something because like this film just has such an eye for like modern art. And like, granted, mm-hmm. I am a newbie. I am a plebeian. I don't know shit about art really. But like, I mm-hmm. loved the just being in a gallery and looking at all the the imagery and like it was so memorable the shots she picked like i really i really liked her style mm-hmm. as a director i i do like her like at her the visuals under her direction are spot on amazing those aren't those aren't the issues i have with this film and that is a thing i can definitely say i think that and i even mm-hmm. even with her storytelling i don't know that i think that i have a problem with that either i and I can honestly say, after seeing this, it makes me even more excited to see her work with um, um, with uh, Tiana Paris again in in the Marvels. Um, I'm looking forward to that a lot because they clearly have a good working relationship, and that is great. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, let's get um, into our thoughts on the movie then, because JV, I can't. Uh, I'm um, being held in suspense. Okay. I can't wait any longer. Thing number one. <laughs> 
I, um, the, mm. Okay. So, <laughs> there, this, this movie has some weird ideas about, um, about some shit that I have a personal problem with. So, uh, the concept of, like, marking somebody as the next martyr for the entirety of the community then makes it seem like the arguments coming from said community are bullshit. Um, like, by selecting this person to be shot by the police before he actually is shot by the police and deciding that so that it then happens and then the movie showing that that happens then saying to tell that story, a.k.a. the absolute weird ending of this movie is a weird take um it starts to then seem like it's a conspiracy theory more so than an ongoing problem yeah i can see that um the character that they have that kind of takes anthony under his wing and is like telling him all about the Candyman story then ending up being the one who kind of uh, well, he actually does. He, like, takes him into a church and saws his hand off, puts the hook on, and is like, this is the next Candyman. And it's like, um, yeah. this didn't happen in, in the first one. And it was really more so about how the community is suffering because of the the prejudice and racism that has been plaguing it for forever mm. um and so having this one guy kind of like make anthony a sacrifice is weird it's yeah it's weird. like it just it just sat very odd with me that that was the like because it in the because it was like kind of structurally significant to everything and to even have like uh, to have somebody <laughs> Somebody from history who is the victim of racism, like of vi- of extremely violent racism, in fact a lynching, as if if we could even like if 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 I may be so bold as to go and call it that, which the movie itself does. So there we are. Um, to have that person be like, ah, yes, let us now choose the next person to be marked for lynching. What, why? Yeah. Like, girl, why? Like, that, that didn't need to... <laughs> yeah, and that, and that goes yeah. back to a problem I had with the first film, that it's like, I don't understand why uh, Candyman targets people within the black community yeah. when they're not the people who hurt yeah. him. And I, I think that all, like, goes back to um, Clive Barker, the writer of the story, being a white man. Ah, uh, shit, um, I forgot that. I do want to give my yeah. interpretation just real fast. So on this recent watch, um, I kind of got this idea actually about like, I was trying to connect because the first time I watched this movie, I didn't really, I guess I felt like a disconnect between the commentary on the art world and then the story with Candyman. Man. Mm. But on this watch, I was like, oh, wait, um, basically the uh, gallery owner is trying to make Anthony sort of a martyr because of art to profit off of his art and saying like yeah like the gallery owner tells him you need to go back to your roots you know like tell some stories about the hood and like trying to i don't know like just really uh profiting off of 
his suffering as a black man, basically. Um, and then saying, like, mm-hmm. yeah, he even says, like, you know, you have uh, a that's like duty out. to your community, <laughs> yeah, to do this. And, like, mm-hmm. the fact that Anthony gets defined by one element of his background and, like, not all the other factors that make up his life. Um so to me, I guess I could maybe see like him becoming Candyman as a reflection of that. Like, yeah, since he's had this kind of martyr role forced onto him in the art world. Uh, but I do agree, the execution of that a uh, little yeah. messy. So um, when I saw it in the theaters when it came out, my initial thought was, "Holy shit! I've never seen anything as brilliant." Which I think is why they delayed it as long as they did because of the pandemic and wanting to have people see it in theaters. Because seeing it on the big screen really does, like, really made that that in particular that reading of it make a lot of sense to me. That I I saw that immediately, almost like Candyman as folk hero, rather than. Candyman as um, vengeful murderer who might low-key be a folk hero if you tell the story correctly. Um, <laughs> like, which, on the second watch, I'm like, oh, that got real muddy in that by this man, which was beautifully delivered. My The, the acting in this movie is... <laughs> Coleman Domingo is one of my favorite fucking actors. He's on Euphoria. He is an absolute treasure. He is so good at what he does. When I saw him, I was so excited. And when he's like following her in the hallway, singing like the Candyman song, it was so hauntingly beautiful. I agree that that speech is a little confusing, especially like... It, it the whole movie we see Candyman killing this guy very slowly and then like in the last like five minutes the, it, we do like a heel turn and then Candyman's the hero and it's this little speech I feel like is the moment that ties those two moments together and explains mm-hmm. it and it's kind of a little yeah, lost like, on it, me on the least. one hand like it makes yeah it makes some kind of sense to me um that like this older man would be like that in that he, like, in just the way that, like, <laughs> huh, in the way that some older black men can just sort of be around younger uh, people, just generally, um, that is a thing that can happen, totally, absolutely. Um, it was just weird because otherwise this man seemed very supportive of the whole, like, thing, and, like, like, he didn't seem to have, like, a motivation to be like, ah, yes, he marked you as the next one, so now I'm going to help him finish that process. I'm like, what? But why, though? But what was the reason? What What do you stand to benefit from this? In fact, yeah. you don't benefit from this at all. You wind up getting stabbed a whole bunch by this nice lady. And that feels very, like, <laughs> and that feels like yeah. not a benefit. And, like, there was no reason for this other than, like, uh, yes, let's keep the myth alive to do what with. Like, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Could I chime in with a theory I found from um, this great horror account? Because I was looking up a Mm -hmm. bunch of stuff about this because there was some stuff towards the end. I'm like, I... I don't have enough time to watch this a second time, and I need to unpack some of these moments. So I looked up some stuff. There's this account called Nerdy Mixed Pan, 
who does a lot of really good horror reviews on TikTok, Ooh. and they talked about this moment, and their interpretation was Candyman was haunting the black community because they were the only ones who knew about his legend. And this guy's um, objective was to spread the message so that it wouldn't be just attacking the Cabrini Green community anymore. Everyone would have to know about it and everyone would have to kind of deal with that fact either together and it wouldn't just be this little insular incident. That does make sense. I mm. think there was like... So that's their thing. There also... Mm, there's that whole thing of like, oh yeah, no, he got shot and like fully died or whatever. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, like, there's that bit where she's in the car, and it's very clear that they're pressuring her to, like, to not say a damn thing as a witness or to say what they specifically want her to say. And that's when she calls Candyman to get her out of that situation because somehow she realizes in that moment that Candyman won't hurt her. Which doesn't quite add up to me. Yeah, because all the other people who summon Candyman do get hurt. Yeah, like a <laughs> young black girl in her house gets just completely murdered by that man. For what? I like for like mm, why? Like that didn't my, need to happen. <laughs> my only reasoning is because like she kind of knew that Anthony was the next Candyman because of everything that just happened, and he had like just died. She kind of yeah. thought that it would be him to come back, and that's the only mm. thing that I can think of that would make sense because she knows Anthony wouldn't hurt her. That's true, but I don't. I don't. That that doesn't like explain why Daniel Robitaille is there. <laughs> exactly. I will say this is. <laughs> This might be a good chance to point out something that I feel the rules of Candyman have never been made clear. Part of me loves yeah. that because it's yeah. like, because it's like either like a Bloody Mary thing where you summon him, he kills you. That feels more apt to this movie. But like mm. in the first movie, it's like Helen summons him and then he kills her cousin or whatever. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I thought if you summon Candyman, he kills you. But then sometimes he doesn't. But then sometimes he'll kill someone who didn't summon him. And it's it's kind of maybe there is something to that randomness that mm. that I think is very much true to life. Like there is just this constant struggle of grief and pain and it isn't like, you know, doesn't befall on people who summon it to themselves, just fall on people who summon it to themselves. It's like tragedy doesn't have rules. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, it might also be because, well, because with Helen, at least I know. Candyman took an interest in her, and maybe it's the same with uh, yeah. <clears throat> Brianna. Yeah, yeah, I think it it is a matter of, like, if he likes you, you will live. But if he doesn't immediately think that you're worth a damn, then you're gone. Which is why, like, a bunch of, like, fucking mm. teenage girls immediately get murdered. Because, because this man doesn't believe that teenage girls fucking mean anything, which is... Hmm. Anyway, um, mm -hmm. and but then, in addition to that, same with that other again teenage girl in her bathroom just getting murdered for no fucking reason. The difference between those previous two being one is, um, ostensibly I guess supposed to be a bunch of affluent white girls, and one is a girl in the projects. Um, 
And I don't know if there's supposed to be an equality there, but it's fucked up either way and misogynist at best. Um, and then in addition to that, then there's like the, I don't see, I don't know, because on the one hand, it would also have to be a matter of like <laughs> Candyman also being omniscient in a way that doesn't make sense. Um, like, like before you call him, he would like, he would then have to know. <laughs> it's almost like if you are murdered based on your stance, um, based on your like understanding and perception of like the black community or privilege or whatever. So you like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he murders you, um, because you were found wanting in that judgment, but like, how would he know? Because you, you only called him after the fact. You didn't call him in the moment. I don't know. It's wild. Yeah, it's, it's wild. a little, a little confusing. And I feel like if we had a little more established rules with Candyman, that would make, like, more sense. But like we've been talking about, there's just like not really much of a rule there. <laughs> And I will be honest, I'm going to blame writing for that. Not yeah. directing, not acting, not like, ju like just simply writing. The writing I'm... of it was weird. And that ending also, okay, but this is also just a personal take of mine. Ooh, I fucking hate an ending that just ends the way that this one did. It was good in the movie theater because it was jarring and just had me sitting there like shook for a minute. But, like, on the rewatch, I was like, this whole last, like, 15 minutes escalated dramatically. Like, f just a dramatic, like, huge, like, everything is now escalated to this very, very high level. With, like, a kidnapping, a church, a dismemberment, a murder, another murder... And then a series of, like, graphic and brutal murders all in 15 minutes. Which, like, yeah, in horror kind of makes sense. But, like, the escalation, like, because it was a slow burn up until, like, he, the, the guy kidnaps. <laughs> until the guy from the laundromat kidnaps yeah. people. At yeah. one point, it yeah. is then no longer a slow burn, and just suddenly everything's on fire. And I'm like, yeah. wait, but hold on. This is, we, we only have 15 minutes left, and this is the part where we only have 15 minutes left at? Like, I could have jumped yeah. with another I 30 the minutes. Runtime, I yeah. was so psyched, because I hate when movies are three hours long. Oh, um, preach. I, I don't do think movies need to be that long anymore. Please stop. Learn to edit. But this film, I feel the mm -hmm. opposite. I'm like, I wish it was longer. Yeah. yeah. So but actually, uh, there's an bit. alternate ending on. I have the DVD, Ooh. and so. Oh um, shit! Really? Yeah. So the alternate <gasps> ending, I think, is actually a lot better because it gives you that time to decompress. It's um, the alternate ending is oh. Brianna at an art gallery, and she's putting on a show of Anthony's work that he's left oh, behind yeah. as he died, and uh, like it just gives her that extra like small moment of healing and like. I think she really needed that, and I really wish they had kept that ending. God, they mm -hmm. should have, because they should have, because otherwise, there's also a commentary there that is just sort of left un, 
undealt with that like the burden of everything in the black community then winds up falling not on black men to do fucking anything but on black women to just hold everything Mm. and deal with every piece of this trauma without ever seeing like the other side of any of it like without seeing the the other side of the journey of trauma of like the um of the not that there i guess really is because that's just the nature of trauma there is no end point to it but like the the uh the mm, i'm the repercussions for no it's 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 the positive side like once you are done with the like the really dark part of like dealing with trauma there's the there's a bit that you sort of reach where you're sort of fine and there's like a good like there's not a good necessarily but a like a A moment of relief yeah like you yeah exactly which I mean, the, not that not necessarily that the gallery scene is fully a moment of relief, but like it's a moment of like, I don't know. It's it's a moment where like rather than ah yes, we have just piled all of this onto this one woman, and now she just has to mm-hmm. deal with it, mm-hmm. which is sort of just where the original ending just leaves us, which is like, yeah. this woman has seen some shit, and now we just need to move I, on. Like yeah, wh- I think it's, what? <laughs> it's and, better closure for her because it also like yeah. ties into mm-hmm. her character arc of um, her history with her dad, who was an artist mm-hmm. who um, committed suicide and maybe was also a candy man. That's kind of unclear. Um, yeah, and like she and her brother have arguments. Him. Her brother's like. Yeah, we're clearing out his storage unit. You should really display his art and put on a show. And she's like, no, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to... Like, she doesn't want to cope with uh, the trauma of losing her father. So I think um, that the alternate ending would have been a really good moment of closure for her and, like, coping with that. I would have loved to see that gallery with both the art from her dad and from Mm -hmm. Anthony. Yeah. Like yeah, I think I think that would have been really good. That would have been the full sort of 360 closure that I think she would need. But yeah. also like there could then be something interesting with the naming of that show that sort of makes it clear the point of the story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um there's something to that, but like I I like that that alternate ending is there. I watched him. I I pirated the version that I watched (laughs) because payday for me is Friday. Um, (laughs) And I I did want to rent it and watch it again, but like I couldn't get the DVD at the at this at this moment in time. uh, Um, We support piracy here. Yeah, had mm-hmm. I thought about it, I might have done it, but um, like everyone in this movie to... has already gotten paid, so you're fine. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. And <laughs> honest, like I, I'm glad that the movie was successful. Kind of, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it was I'll, anyway. I'll look it up. It's I hard mean, it to did tell sort these of, days. It did sort of um, release still during a pandemic, and like that, I'm sure that affected their numbers like significantly. But yeah. I also know that black people in particular were ready to turn up to see this movie mm-hmm. i mean like, so was i like budget, i was excited um, for it more than twice hmm? 
Oh, it made back its budget. So like it, it was okay. its budget was twenty five million, and the box office was seventy seven point four million. So I oh yeah, so it made that's a profit. Pretty successful. Like even when you good. consider advertising costs. Yeah, that's good. Then I I'm glad that that happened because that is that is what it deserved. I think mm-hmm. I think making it back, much like the original, which apparently made back um with it, the budget with a budget of nine million, it made uh twenty five point eight, which is pretty damn good. By yeah. Yeah. Um, look at a little over twice, which is a little over two times the amount, which is good. Um, yeah, I, it that's does. like what it deserves, I think. Mm-hmm. And it makes me excited to see what Nia DaCosta does next. I know she's doing yeah. a Marvel movie, um, yeah. which which already I'm is like, promising to me to be a good ass movie. Like, yeah, I and know I'm that like, that one's gonna be good. Good, good for her too. Like, yeah, get that Marvel money, and then you can literally make anything you want. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. good yeah. for her is she... what I say. What um, else has she done? I think oh, this I was her first movie feature. This. She there did was one before this, I think. Little Woods. Oh, which is yeah. that's it. Crime thriller. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. The poster for this movie is Ooh, really cool. Tessa Thompson. Ooh. I get why because he was the one who kind of broke through first and like he is mm-hmm. using his platform to help people I wish her name had gotten out there more when with the advertising of this movie um, because every time I look it up it's always Jordan Peele's Candyman Jordan Peele Jordan Peele and he helped write the script he produced it he's a mm-hmm. huge part of this that is wonderful but I this one really showed me just how brilliant a director Nia DaCosta is. Like these oh, yeah. visuals, they made me squirm. They made me mm-hmm. sad. They made me interested. It's just, she has such an artistic eye. Like there's this one moment I absolutely adored where you see him drag this paintbrush across a canvas. And then later on when the, the art critic is murdered, you get we cut to this wide shot where she is dragged across the window by an invisible hook that like mimics uh. the paint stroke. And I just yeah. loved that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, yeah. the opening sequence, um, I saw this from, like, the Kill Count review. Um, mm-hmm. In the first movie, like, it's a shot looking down at Chicago and, like, going over that. Whereas this yeah. time, the opening credits are looking up into the skyscrapers and the fog of Chicago. And it's just... I love that contrast so much. Like, visually, she knows mm-hmm. what, what the fuck she's doing. I agree the script is kind of all over the place, but it makes an emotional sense. Yeah, and I think that's it, where the movie succeeds. It does. I, and <clears throat> it absolutely does. And I don't think there's I don't think the movie I don't think the movie is like a bad movie. There's just like some weird politics that I've started like looking at in certain yeah. movies and like whether or not it's clear in how it delivers those things because I I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what's happened to me in the last year. I've gotten a lot better at looking at that. I will be honest, the thing that made me do that was Wonder Woman 1984, which I won't go into, but like that, oh, that yeah. was the yeah, one that made me like... I want to hear you like... go into that because I am so interested here. <laughs> <laughs> but not here, not here. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we yeah. will stick around after and I will... Mm. But um, basically, like, I, I, I've I, started looking into that a lot more because like, the, because those messages I'm realizing more and more have like an effect when like have an effect when you watch them uncritically so i've made an effort to like actually be a little bit critical of them mm-hmm. and it was like even like when i first go to see a movie like the the initial viewing i'm usually not as critical of it mainly because i will one be in a theater for it and two 
even if I'm not in a theater, that first watch is still like I still don't fully know what's going to happen. So it's like the actual experiencing of it as it goes through. Great. Um, but then upon the second watch, I'm usually like, wait a goddamn second. And mm-hmm. that and I love that moment. That's one of my favorite moments. Um, the hold on. Because Wait. something in a, in a thing was a little off. Mm-hmm. I love that moment. It's a good moment because it means that, like, ah, yes, the movie did its job on that first initial watch of being entertaining and good. But then on that second watch is where, ah, yes, but a message, perhaps. And yes. if that message is wonky or improperly delivered or just, like, seems off or, like problematic or or even like you notice things that are like even better because of like a second viewing like it's not just like finding flaws but it's also finding things that connect more but that you missed the first time exactly exactly yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. like there's i hmm. and also again i i haven't looked at the um i haven't looked at the at the writing credits on the on uh candy man but... So I have it pulled up actually. So it's Jordan okay. Peele, uh, Wynn Rosenfeld, who's another producer, I guess, at um, huh. Monkey Paw, and then Nia DaCosta. Oh wow! Okay, interesting, interesting. Because like, okay, now to what extent each three wrote on this is is a is a thing I would be very interested to know because yeah. I think that might be why the like there's a strong why there might be like a very strong message in part of it that like doesn't quite come through because of something else. Yeah, right? there's like the the little bit of disconnect because of the different writers and they're like I reading can... I can definitely see, like, a conflict between a director's vision here and then also the desire to make this movie commercially uh, successful, Mm. which is why I think some scenes were added. Like, the scene of the of the white girls in the bathroom, like, that didn't need to be there. It was just in there to look cool in the trailer and, like, have a cool kill in the middle of the movie. Also, can someone clarify why those girls, not the white girls in the bathroom, like, the the two black girls with the little brother trying to get in, was that related to anyone or anything? Because to me, I felt blindsided by that moment. I was like, wait, where? Who? That, How? Huh? That moment, I don't... Oh, shit. Actually, I'm was not it, sure. I'm trying to remember. Wasn't that the uh, the guy at the laundromat's backstory? Yeah, that was him as I a kid. I thought he was the one who, like, no, ran the... into... Oh, again, right, because he had, like, a second encounter with Candyman, right? Like, that's the second time. Wait, yeah. shit, was it? Uh, yeah, was, I think it was. So that was that same kid. I think so. I, was it? I I don't. Oh. I'm not remembering now. I'm I'm confused. I watched it last night, but I was like so kind of out of it that I wasn't paying too much attention. So like, <laughs> I apologize. If that was the same kid, then I could kind of understand it a little bit more. A little bit more in that, like, on that first encounter with that man. That first encounter in 1977, he didn't really meet, like, he met Sherman Field, sure, but he wasn't, that wasn't Candyman yet. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, yeah, like, that wasn't Candyman yet, but that w- he was, 
he would he was become just a Candyman yeah. after. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He'd become Candyman a little bit later when, um, well, can, well, when white girls started being threatened by razor blades, apparently, and candy, which, okay. Oh, my God. Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, weird call, particularly because not a thing. Uh, not a fucking thing, but sure. Yeah, yeah the fact um, that that um, whole razor blades and candy thing didn't even exist at all just adds another layer of, like, bullshit Exactly. Well, they and they do talk about it it too in the movie. Like, they kill the police kill this guy because they suspect him of putting razors in the candy. But then, like a week after he is killed, there's still razors in the candy. So it's like, "Mm, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if it says. I'm like trying to look at the at the uh, story to see if there's a thing. If there's a thing where, because it doesn't like. I'm looking in the in the little uh, uh I'm looking at the Wikipedia summary just to see if it like if there's a thing that mentions it there. And it yeah, doesn't I'm seem like, like there's pretty sure it was him, because that would also make the most sense. It would um... it would, because otherwise I don't understand why But even then it only barely makes sense. Like it only kinda guess... makes a little bit of sense. I guess it's like you said they needed like they they needed to sh- like uh, show that how this guy knew about the supernatural element of Candyman rather than just the tragedy of Candyman. Like, there's yeah. proof that oh right, it's a curse. And I think that leads to that like sort of fucked up thing of like we don't know what the rules are for this. Like, yeah. we don't know what the rules are for the for summoning this man, and like the the hive as it were. The Candyman mm-hmm. Hive. I also just appreciate that there's a hive. <laughs> yes. That's just, yeah. I like leading um, yes. into the bee imagery to like oh, make that so make good. any bit of fucking sense because um, like if we're being honest, the bee imagery before did not actually add up. Like it was. I know that it was like a part of the way in which he was murdered, but like, um. <laughs> yeah also, i will say if you want to get away with de-aging someone and making them look as like not mm. computerized as possible surround them with bees tony todd looked great yeah That's oh true. yeah he did oh I was, yeah i mean tony todd always looks so great so happy but... to see tony true. todd in this movie i just he's the oh, king God. of horror Absolutely. i love him it made me very happy yeah. he's um, a very but... sweet man i've met him and he gave oh, me an so air hug at uh Texas Frightmare um, oh, this past that September. Makes, that makes me so happy to hear. I, yeah. Okay. So there's one other thing that I think is interesting, um, which is the end credits, which has the... Um, the end credits have, like, a couple other Candyman Hive people, um, some of whom are just two historical people. Yeah, is it um, one of them Emmett Till? No, uh, no, actually, weirdly. Or uh, it might have been. Uh, let me not say no, because I don't remember all of them, but the list here that I have. There's like a is, kid that gets murdered. Yes, but here's the thing the one that was there was uh, George Steiny Jr., who okay. um, was uh, 14 years old when he was convicted of. Murdering two white girls who were 11 and 7 years old. Um, and uh, it was, well, 
his trial was vacated after the fact in like 2014, but that doesn't really matter because by that point he had been executed. He was, in fact, I believe the youngest uh, person executed in the 20th century. Mm. Um, That's horrific. Yeah. Yep. But the fact that there have been... by electric chair in 1944. The Mm. fact that there have been multiple black children murdered like this is not great. Um, And the fact that I got those stories confused is not good. Uh. Well, in fairness, this is a story that the only reason I have ever heard of George Tiny, the only reason I knew about that is because I had a true crime podcast for, like, at least two and a half years. I'm actually not sure how long I had that show. <laughs> I didn't know you had a true crime podcast, but now I need to yeah, go listen to it. it. It was before we all met. Um, <laughs> before times. But, uh, In the before yeah. times. <laughs> it was, it, yeah, it, oh God, it, it like, we started to like wind down on the show. Um, well, I had two. There was one that was just me, but then there was another one that I uh, had with a co-host and that one started to wind down before the pandemic because we both mentally couldn't handle the stories we were covering anymore. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. This was one of the turning points for me was this story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For obvious reasons, not the least of which is like this small child's face is right yeah. there. Yeah. God, yeah. And I can handle horror just Oof. fine, especially in fictional fantastical yeah. context. I cannot do true crime, so that makes yeah. sense. The... Understandable. It is fucked. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god, it is the most fucked thing in the world. Um anyway. Yeah, so that's like Where did Dame Maggie Smith get here? Oh, <laughs> 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 um but yeah, it's this the I I and I uh, appreciated the inclusion of that. I do feel a little weird about the inclusion of that. Like I like it if there's like a if there's like a it's weird to include that as part of the Candyman hive. It is a little weird to do that partially because the they're real two people. Of the people that ex- yeah, and the two people that they included weren't in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't executed in Chicago. They weren't even executed in in Illinois. They're mm-hmm. ex- one of them was murdered in Texas and the other was murdered in um was it murdered by the state in uh fucking where was it? Oh dear. Um South Carolina. Um mm-hmm. neither of which are uh <laughs> Anywhere near sort of famously, Illinois. <laughs> they're famously not Illinois. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is the part of it that, again, leads me to be like, it's weird that you went with optics for this rather than, like, true connected cases. Because yeah. some of the ones that are... And there, there was um, a thing in, like... I forgot where I was where I was looking at it. Um, but there was this... Uh, there's somebody who pointed this out in a YouTube video that I was watching, which is that, like, Rosa Parks wasn't even the first Rosa Parks. There was another mm-hmm. woman who had done the exact same thing, but the NAACP didn't back her because she was, like, 
young and a single mother and respectability politics, basically. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. As Rosa Parks shows up as an upstanding member of society, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Um, And that's the person whose story we all remember and that we all run with because that's the one that's more more presentable, which is fucked uh, for a thousand different reasons. But the main reason that that's extremely fucked up is that the other story is just as worthy. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, like, even if the optics are even the slightest bit complicated, that's the part where people are like, yeah, we can't have the complication there. And Mm -hmm. that's sort of fucked up. Like, admittedly... Mm -hmm. It's a, I, I'm not going to fault them for including the stories that they did. I think the stories they included were, or like the people that they included were important. I just would have gone and maybe stuck with people in Chicago because there are plenty of cases there to go with. Even if it's just missing persons ones, that would have been more impactful because those are actual people who lived in Chicago. Yeah, and they're closer to the root of where the story is supposed to be taking place than... other other people but i i i kind of understand why they did it because like they wanted more emotional responses i guess and having like totally a story about a child getting murdered is pretty fucking emotional um (laughs) absolutely but, but i'm sure there are there are stories about children being murdered in chicago somewhere 1000% 1000% there are um and like even I mean shit there uh there are there are is there are is the answer to that but like it it just it's always it's always a matter of like ah they chose this person for this reason and it's like it's a whole it's a whole can of worms but it's one that I it's one that I think about because it makes the like the messaging of like, well, we're going to select the way that we tell this, like, and the person, like, we're selecting who our victims actually are, um, based on how perfect they are. As well, a, that kind of relates back yeah. to the fact that Candyman chose a baby to be his successor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. what, this what was it? Fucked. There's. Well, the thing I, this is where I wonder if there's like a disconnect, because I find the the shadow puppetry so mm-hmm. interesting in regard to the theme of not letting their stories die, not letting their stories be unheard, because the moment where they get back up at the yeah. end of the, the show feels, feels powerful, feels inspirational almost. Hell and yeah. just like this idea of Candyman being the embodiment of that memory and that vengeance. And yet, it like like you were saying, Davey, uh, Candyman attacks... A lot of members of the community Candyman hurts mm-hmm. a lot of people so like how do you balance this really interesting really crunchy like I've heard the term crunchy of like interesting something you can chew on villain yeah that is both sexy and powerful and dangerous with this idea of being a spirit of like almost justice almost vengeance but never quite being able to juggle those two ideas of like mm-hmm what is Candyman? Because I feel like that film almost wants him to be both things at the same time. And exactly. I don't know how, how they can how they could do that. 
Yeah, they... I think, um, and this is really, I think it's a problem with both of the Candyman films is that it just isn't a very clear definition of, like, what Candyman is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I... Like, I think, well, okay, so if I were to, like, to re if I were to redo this, <laughs> if I were to redo this, one thing I would do: the people that are murdered are exclusively white people throughout the whole movie. Actually, a relatively mm-hmm. easy change because up until a certain point, it is. Um, like up until a certain point in the movie, the murders that are actually done on screen by Candyman are only white people. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's basically up until that scene in the home, like in his home. Yeah. Or in, not in his home, in that the the scene with the kid and the, was it two girls in the bathroom? I thought it was just one. I think it was two. I thought there were yeah, two. I thought it was oh. two, two. It's like his two, like his sister or something and like her friend and they're playing the Candyman game and he oh. wants to get in. And they're like, no, get out, because you're a, a chicken baby. <laughs> yeah, that's why I had thought. That's why I had thought it was one, because it had seemed like, like I didn't mainly because like we aren't shown what's happening behind the door there. Um, but even if if that scene had been cut from the whole thing, it actually still would have made perfect fucking sense to me. Um, why that had happened? Because we didn't really need a whole moment to like understand that that. Candyman was the Sherman Fields one mm-hmm. or if we needed that scene because we needed a really like dramatic kill we could have had that happen in a white home um, literally almost the exact same scene just with white kids um, and there's a piece of candy left with a razor blade in it mm-hmm. like that would well, have actually you know... been been kind yeah. of a more interesting thing to put there Instead of, ah, yes, I have now murdered a, possibly two black children. <laughs> like, why? For what? What did they do? Like, and yeah. even then murdering the teenage girls, I don't agree with that scene other than it being a dramatic fucking kill that they could again advertise. But yeah. like, I yeah. think, but I think there's also something to be said within that scene that, because he didn't kill the black girl that was in the toilet stall, right? No. No. Yeah. Like, there's something there for that and the fact that they were immediately before that if i recall correctly bullying her yeah which i think yeah. is the reason that they were killed which makes mm-hmm. sense to me i'm not saying that i'm not saying that that um <laughs> that that's a proportionate response but, but in like a <laughs> horror movie context yeah. when people do shitty things exactly they die and like it's okay yeah. to be like yeah fuck you um, racist die exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, that makes sense. I totally get that. That adds up. Mm-hmm. Also, there was a thing of, like, that one girl, basically, like, the concept there basically being we're going to play this game and steal from black culture um, oh, was yeah. the vibe that I got from that. I could be incorrect on that, but that was the vibe that I got. <laughs> Play I don't think so because she wasn't paying attention prizes. to the show at all. She she seemed very disinterested, except for this one little detail she she picked up. Yeah, um, I did appreciate, and this was where I kind of felt Jordan Peele, the one girl who said it the one time. The window like shut while they were saying it, and she said, "I'm not doing this anymore." And she like fucking left, and I was like, yeah. "I love you." Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. I loved That's... that too. 
And um, honestly, I agree. That's exactly where the... That's the... I mean, granted, I would have just not started there. <laughs> I just would have been like... Yeah. That first one would be like when everyone's standing in front of the mirror. So like, uh-uh, fuck this, actually. And then left. That's that's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I would have fucking left at that point. That's just me. <laughs> I'm sorry to say I'm the dumbass white person who would have gone through with it. <laughs> I know this about myself. Um, partially because... Okay, if I knew it was like Tony Todd coming out of that mirror, I 100% would have said, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to I want to see Tony Todd. Um Oh yeah. Yeah. If I understood the rules and knew that I wasn't the one who was going to die, then I might. But like yeah. if I I have to know the rules first. I'm not just going to be sub There I believe there's lines like uh uh-uh, uh black people don't need to be summoned as shit. Which I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was a great line. God, yeah. what a beautiful uh, yeah. line. Brianna's brother. Mm-hmm. So yeah, funny. I want to talk about how much I loved him and how much I loved Brianna. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Their sibling dynamic Brianna. was really fun. I, I really love the the scene when they, like, when she, like, goes to, like, talk about Anthony to him and he he's like, he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And I just, I truly love Brianna too. Her performance yeah. was so good, and I like, I like. I know we talked about some of the problems with the ending, but I do love that she survived the ending. Oh, thank God! Like, yeah, oh, mm-hmm. hell yeah! The woman survives. The gay man survives to the end. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, this is good. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially like, with the treatment of, um, oh God, I can't think Helen? of. Uh, no, no, Helen's friend. I, I. That's oh, why I feel so bad oh, about yeah. calling her Helen's um, friend. But she. I, w- I want to just yeah. call her Cassie Lemons because that's mm-hmm. the actress. Yeah, but I can't remember Lemons. the. I can't remember the character's name. But like, she uh, dies and she didn't even fucking summon Candyman. It's yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. That was fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was like definitely the <laughs> worst death of the mm-hmm. series. Yeah, that's the one that made me feel the most bad, especially in the first one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I uh I do want to say like I think that definitely like the story structure has a lot of problems but yeah. I will mm-hmm. say from an emotional standpoint this movie like made sense to me and I think that's why I still really like this one and the original Candyman even though they're both mm-hmm. like very flawed films um mm. They just capture... It's kind of the same reason why I like the movie of The Shining, even though I think that the writing of that movie is terrible. Um, <laughs> it's because it captures just this mood, this atmosphere. It makes me feel, like, specific emotions. And yeah. So when I watch a movie, that is what I am drawn to. I uh, I want to feel things. And, um, yeah. But I think it's uh, definitely helpful to balance, like, the critical thinking and the emotional thinking um yeah i think it does well yeah i agree that it does make a lot of emotional sense like i thought it like i really that because especially like when watching the film that first time i was like oh i was i i was crying so hard in that (laughs) last few minutes of that yeah oh my god like like i remember sitting in the theater um and getting to the very end of the movie and i could feel like my heart beating out of my chest i was like like really invested in what was going on 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, and like, I, mean, I, I just want her to like, live. Yeah. I, know, I like wanted to just cheer in the theater when mm-hmm. she lives to the end because yeah. I'm so used to that kind of character being just like shoved aside. Like, oh, she's just the nagging girlfriend or whatever. So yeah. I love, I love Brianna getting her hero moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one yeah. scene. I really want to draw attention to because I feel like so many horror movies try to do this and fail spectacularly where they create a scenario where one person knows something supernatural is going on and the other person doesn't. And you see where both of them are coming from and why they are scared when Brianna um, almost summons Candyman to try to prove he isn't real because like with what happened to her with her dad, she sees her boyfriend unraveling and she tries to like do something to calm him down. And he knows that Candyman is real. So he smashes a mirror and it's terrifying from both perspectives because I totally understand why he did what he did and why she is scared out of her mind and does not trust him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, it, it's a great setup. And I feel like there's always this imbalance in horror movies where you're like, why the fuck don't you believe him? There's clearly something creepy happening. Or why are you acting so weird if you're trying to get them to believe you? You should not do all these weird things. But in this situation, I was like, no, both of these people are acting reasonably compared to what they're going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I will... mm. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, please. Yeah. No, I I I appreciated the hell out of that scene because that scene was so like I, that, while one brilliantly acted, I'm just going to keep saying how brilliant these actors are. Mm -hmm. And, like, that scene was terrifying, but also that whole thing of, like, he's not explaining himself. Like, he's not able to explain himself well. He's trying, but he's, like, not able to really be, like, this is what's happening. I mean... Fucking look at my hand. Look at how this infection is spreading. This is happening. I I can't like it's not an obsession with art. It's a matter of please don't look at this. We can't do this. Like this is a whole thing. And like mm-hmm. that's a I I appreciated that. However, there is mm-hmm. one thing that I did a little bit want to bring up because I think it is kind of important. Um so the man who plays Troy is not gay, uh. which makes the performance a little questionable to me. Ooh. Um, it's insofar as like, okay, um, yeah, he, maybe he's not gay. Sure, fine. Um, it didn't. It does feel real to me, mm-hmm. and not in a stereotype way. But also within the, like, I don't know, being black and gay is one of those things that, like, it usually, it is a thing rife with stereotypes just first and foremost. But then in addition to that, there's also a level of, like, to what extent are those stereotypes simply actually true and believable? Like, the extraness of the, of, of him as a, like, person in that, in that role. Um, it was a believable level of extra because I've heard and said things almost exactly the same (laughs) to other people, but also there's an element of it that is a little bit performative Mm -hmm. and I'm, which sure, but then I don't know how I feel about somebody doing that performative piece of it while not being gay. 
Well, he's not out. I mean, I guess like yeah. I don't like to make assumptions, and that's, that's why fair. I don't like. Uh, I don't know going into this about actors who are cast to play gay characters because I like. Well, mm. I don't know their personal life. Maybe they are gay and they're just not out. Um, right. So I I feel like that's fine with me, but I'm definitely not in the position to say whether or not it's an accurate portrayal of a gay black man. That does make sense. I what I will say is like I I'm might be being a little harsh on him just a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think it I don't think he did anyone a disservice. I think he did a fantastic job. I it yeah. was more just a like Oh, that gives me pause. My on where that gives me pause on where you generated this performance from. Yeah, my my thinking my thinking is um, always with like straight actors playing like gay characters. Um, this is much less with like cis people playing trans people because I feel like trans people need to be much more represented in films, not by. Mm men in dresses um even though like yes. that's fine but my my thing with like yeah. straight people playing gay people um is that it's like as long as it doesn't come off as a joke then i'm fine with it um yes. usually because like then like it it's more like just like an aspect of personality more yeah. than anything else that, um, th- that makes sense to me. I think, okay. So, I agree on the trans bit specifically, but there's there's a little sort of thing in me that I also... <laughs> it's funny, because I did also, last week, almost at the literal exact same time that we started this recording, recorded um, a, uh, a podcast with... Um, uh, with... Uh, Oh, actually, actually, it was like a week, but a week and two days ago um, with a, uh, uh, oh God, um, with You Are Good, that's the name of that show, about Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Um, and mm. the logic of like, the logic of like having trans people play a trans person on screen, um, if, if specifically if the story also involves like aspects of them specifically transitioning and not just presenting as who they are now mm-hmm. my reasoning for this is that like i don't know i know that there are a lot of trans people who would not at all be comfortable with portraying themselves um in the sort of assigned role that they had previously and the scrutiny and basically just fucked up bullshit that that will invite mm-hmm. on them because it already invites that with like with trans people who aren't like who aren't like where their storyline they're portraying is not simply about them being trans that where that is just an aspect of like who they are as a regular human being it's already bad for that person if you throw in the ah yes and in this movie portrayal of a character you here you are presenting differently than how you present in your regular everyday life and the fact that like there's not a whole lot of support that's going to be provided to you after mm-hmm. 
the filming and releasing has occurred. Yeah. So dealing with the backlash of everything, I don't know realistically that there's a lot of that there's a lot of trans people who would be able to emotionally deal with that part, which I think also is a thing that the studio should help with. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but the the practical nature of it right now is such that like yeah, unless you can like um, like either cast two people to do this role or just one and really support that person and also yeah. that per- ha- like and that's fine. Like have that be a thing that's fine. Um but like I I I don't I don't know. I don't have as much of a problem with um with a cis person playing a person who is in the act of transitioning throughout the mm-hmm. course of the movie. However, just a just a tra- a trans character wherein their transition is not actually a part of the story, um like that's a whole other thing. I think that that yeah. is just purely should be played by a trans person My nuance and everything uh, I mean, else. Yeah. My hot take is that we should have fewer stories about transitioning and more about just trans people like existing yeah and being happy um just like we need more (laughs) just like we need fewer gay stories about homophobia and being murdered and kicked out of their homes and more stories about gay people just existing and being happy yeah absolutely I do just have one thing to say um, in regards to this movie's cast. Well, not maybe, like you said, we don't know what people are going through, but when someone who is, like, says I'm a straight person does play a gay person, I will say, when I spend a lot of time with actors, there are a lot of people who are very, very gay. And yep. they're wonderful. <laughs> and something that is repeatedly told to them is we cannot cast you because you are not believably straight. Right. So yeah. when these opportunities do come up with gay characters, I think there is... I don't think there is anything this actor did inherently wrong. I think he did a great job with the role, Uh, but I do think there is something societally we have to confront in that the assumption for every actor is you have to play believably straight, Mm -hmm. but we don't have enough gay characters to let people feel that they can comfortably exist as they are mm-hmm. yeah. and mm. still be able to find work within the entertainment yeah. industry. And on- I don't think this is a problem this film specifically has to address because there's so many goddamn problems it's trying to address. Yeah. But I do yeah. think it is worth bringing up <laughs> as a problem in the world that is real and happening mm-hmm. and affects a lot of people. And on top of that, there are just like some feminine straight men. Like it it happens. Yeah. They exist. And like yeah. the, the fact that I don't know that you can't be believably straight when you know people uh, exist out there in the world like that. Um, it's just I don't know. Mm-hmm. There are many kinds of people, and um, every combination of aspect and personality and trait is possible. And um, I feel like. A lot of the times people who make movies don't realize that because they don't think about it. <laughs> or there's yeah. this stereotype with um, gay people that they're too much when mm-hmm. in reality they just are, they they are incredible. They are a world unto themselves. And if you're too afraid to explore that, then that's something you have to confront in yourself rather than force them to be something different. Yeah. Fuck you, yeah. Disney. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
The ironic <laughs> thing is that I fully applied for a job at Disney the day before. Uh oh. Oh no. <laughs> like ooh. Y'all can lose my. <laughs> but I think I've message. This but is. I, a... Oh yeah. No, no sorry, I cut you off. Oh no, it's fine. No, I... uh, like lose my application, but also um, but also, I would still take voice roles. Um. <clears throat> anyway, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's all. Hey, well, <laughs> I I personally want to say hire this individual. <laughs> yes, they oh, are yes. so cool. They are so. Such a great voice. I yes. love your voice. Thank you. But I think <laughs> that's why I like this movie as well. Is like I feel like the first one I kind of there's a lot to talk about, but I feel like I kind of get that one. This one, there's still ideas that are gonna be crunching around in my brain for so many, so many days, years, lifetimes, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I really appreciate about this one is like there are a lot more things that are a little bit like not as neat and tidy as the first one but that also introduces a lot of ideas and concepts that i probably wouldn't have thought about otherwise so i do appreciate it for that even if it wasn't like perfect or successful in the execution i'm like at least they're trying yeah as with uh any like new film that came out within like the past two years or so of of this podcast episode i'm curious to see how this ages um Mm -hmm. Because that's just mm. a very interesting thing to me, and like I cannot predict. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious, like to revisit this several years in the future. True. Mm-hmm. I, well, JV, I think, how many times did you see this movie? I have seen this movie. Oh God, how many times? I guess three times now. I think. Yeah, three. Yeah, and I've only seen it once. I so, have like, seen that in it of twice. Itself creates a difference. Yeah, I saw it the the first time in theaters when it initially came out because of course I did. I knew I had to. Um, I saw it like once a few months ago just because I was like in a mood and wanted to watch a bunch of horror things in a row, and I enjoyed that one. But I also like was watching it. I was watching it in like the list of peels. Uh, the the in the list of peels. Wow, that's funny. In the list of like. <laughs> Jordan Peele related films um, that I felt like I should watch um, in like sort of order just because. Um, and uh, yeah, then another time yesterday uh, to just refresh my memory. And yesterday was the moment where I was like, hold on a second. Because <laughs> I was actually this time watching it like critically. Whereas like if you if you don't want to watch a thing critically, this is a great fucking movie from start to finish. Wonderful. But if you criticize a thing too long, if you look at it a little too hard, sometimes this happens. Which also might just be a problem from like for me. Like that might just be an issue of me looking at something too hard, at which point I start to see some cracks, and I'm like, mm. I mean, I think but, it's like, a valuable very small. perspective to have. Mm-hmm. I yeah. deeply appreciate you bringing that uh, perspective to this movie, because it, like, mm-hmm. made me think of some things I hadn't realized the first couple times I saw this movie. So I, uh, yeah, I just really appreciate, like, the different ways of looking at a movie. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think that's a that's the fun of these. I think is being able to look at all of them 
all of them interestingly. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fun to look at a movie and uh, see, I don't know, what makes the movie tick is always, always interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, do well we and I think Marty said this earlier, the more you look at it, the more you find these little little nuggets of wisdom and mm -hmm. like little things you loved or little things you hated and it just different ways to think and look at it i think there is there is a danger i feel like if you're trying to judge something like there is a difference like the way jv you you describe yeah. yourself watching it doesn't feel like you're trying to tear it apart i feel like the intention yeah. matters exactly yeah. 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 like trying to uh understand Fig it yeah trying to figure out how it works yeah yeah, yeah. Trying to find the message at the core of a thing, um, and or like the ethics at the core of a thing, because I apparently like analyzing things for ethics now. Um, apparently, it's a <laughs> fucking thing I do. Uh, but um, yes, but not not all the time. But sometimes watching something for the ethics is a good is a good way to like make sure that like is a good way to like one make sure that we're not like investing our time and money in somebody who's a terrible human being because mm -hmm. a lot of the times you'll find the ethics of somebody who's extremely not great just right in right like in the text of a thing they wrote <clears throat> yep sometimes it's mm -hmm. just clear and present and we should have paid attention but yep mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah honestly but yeah um doing that for sort of all all different movies is i think a good a good thing to do um just to make sure that we are um, making sure that making sure that we are also sure of what we're saying. Um, yeah. And yeah. like when I make a recommendation to somebody, I want it to be one that I like stand by and that I feel good about. Like I, <laughs> I recorded like a, this very long video um, that I have not edited because I hate video editing apparently. Um <laughs> <laughs> learned about myself that I hate video editing. So there's that. Um, after I recorded it. So, mm. but uh, where I watched um, Last Night in Soho, which is a movie I enjoy, but that upon examination, there are like parts of that that I'm unsure I really can get behind. Like the way the movie treats, like, like the way, how the movie itself seems to feel about sex work is kind of odd to me um and i'm so i don't necessarily know that i can fully recommend last night in soho because of that because it's a little bit mm. or if if i'm going to recommend it to somebody i'm going to add that caveat of like but also just know the movie has some weird views on sex work <laughs> um, and yeah. then going in like when that comes up, hopefully the person will be like, "Okay, this part with the, this part involving sex work is clearly not the part that like <laughs> that I was recommended this for." Yeah, um, <laughs> for right. my own credibility, I suppose. Um, noting that, like, noting what a problem might be, is I think an important thing. But you know, yeah, yeah, it's also just really sometimes interesting to think about. Yeah. See, I'll just suggest mm -hmm. people watch Cats with no context. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Um, the no. Chaos, the chaos of that. <laughs> so, speaking of suggestions, do we recommend this movie? 
I would, just because it gets your brain thinking. It really does. We've talked for, like, almost an hour and 30 minutes about it. <laughs> We've talked Hell for the yeah. length of the movie about the movie. Oh my yeah. God. Hell yeah. Um, I- <laughs> yeah, it's just a fun one. Um, and like- very... It's a thinker. It is. I I would recommend this one for sure. 1000%. Also just support black creators and mm-hmm. movies they make. That was that was the other thing that I really loved about this movie cuz a lot of a lot of films that like focus on like suffering or strife of a specific community don't do this, but what I really liked about this movie was that at the very end they had a link that you could type in to go to um to look up and support um different black communities that um need need help and i thought that was really good and uh very cool of them to do because that's not something that you know creators do all the time um i okay the the one time i remembered um like really hating a movie and it was about like stuff like this like kind of um but requiem for a dream the they that movie irked me so bad because like it's literally just like a show of misery and then they don't have any suggestion for how to fix anything at the end and i'm like oh great (laughs) um and so i'm glad that this movie that like actually tackles like topics of racism and um social inequity like actually have like oh hey there are people actually trying to fight against this you can support them here and that made me feel a lot better about watching the movie even though i really love the movie um but like the fact that the creators actually care about what they're talking about um just made it a lot better (laughs) totally yeah uh so hannah would you recommend this movie I would. I really, really loved the direction. I loved, um, I loved the energy of the movie. I loved the emotion mm-hmm. behind it. I think there's a lot of artistry on display you don't get to see in a lot of movies. Like, how many fucking movies have shadow puppets, for God's sakes? It's just, and it's <laughs> used so effectively. Not yeah. Honestly, yeah. Well, and I loved hearing people's thoughts on the movie. Granted, I there are probably some thoughts out there by some very in fundamentally incurious people that i would not be interested in hearing but like with the people i have been lucky enough to share this time with today i have i feel so much more enriched by this experience and i love films that like get more interesting the more you talk about them rather than the less like i don't know i agreed this movie's Mm -hmm. crunchy and i like the crunch like it's not perfect but it's it's so interesting. You could and say it's, it's so hard sincere. candy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was bad. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know why that took me such a second. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> get, but like, what? Oh, like, oh, that I got it. That made sense. I like that. Listen, yeah. that the candy, I am the so man sorry. Gets dropped so much. I know. I'm like that. <laughs> 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 it's like on the floor so often i'm like please don't pick that up please don't touch that <laughs> well and like when the guy's dropping off candy to kids i'm like why oh right he's scared to me. <laughs> yes, he does. 
<laughs> Why is yeah. this man giving candy to people? What the? It's... And I'm like, oh, that's because I lived through the 90s. Never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why it's I find that weird. It's, <laughs> it's so funny because, like, for the first movie, even though he's called Candyman, he doesn't do anything in regards to candy. He's just made out of bees. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I heard it's implied no. since he's covered in honey. That's why they call him Candyman. And I'm like, do you just call anything covered in honey candy? Yeah, that's yeah. mm. I guess back that's in the 1800s, anything with honey would be candy. Maybe, I guess. Uh, maybe. Sure. But, um. Dubious, uh, but all right. <laughs> I guess the top, to round off, uh, I also recommend this movie. Especially if you like the original, I think that they complement each other really well. And mm -hmm. um, I love a movie with a good moody atmosphere. Um, mm -hmm. I would almost call it like urban gothic. And uh, that's right up my alley. So um, yep. thumbs up, recommend. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, yep. thank you so much for joining us, JV. It was really wonderful to have you back. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm, yeah. I'm so happy to, so happy to to be able to be back on. You are so you... fucking smart, by the way. Yes. Aw, <laughs> yeah. thanks, guys. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I'm right back at you. Right <laughs> no, I'm a little bit of a dumbass. You can say it. <laughs> no. Um, do you have anything you would like to promote while you're here? I genuinely don't know. Oh, you know what? I do. Okay, so I I have a a tabletop uh podcast that I that I am a part of that I am enjoying rather a lot, um, and that I think people will like, uh, because it is very very queer, and it is, uh, oh boy, why am I spacing on the name of the podcast that I am on? Okay. It is called Infinity City, which is just a, a fun little name there. It's a masked RPG. Yeah, I was like, RPG. that's a really cool name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a masks RPG, uh, which is great. I love that as a as a game. It's one of my favorite ones. Um, also one of the ones where, like, I understand the rules almost implicitly, uh, which is phenomenal because, oh, boy. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's already... It's, the for some of the episodes that are already out and there are more coming and uh my character is real fun and has a lot of um a lot of dad related issues and i think <laughs> great <laughs> yes mm -hmm. daddy issues make good characters it's just a fact mm -hmm. oh yes they do they do yeah. indeed um if you would like to keep up with Netflix and Kill, you can follow us on Twitter at Netflix underscore in underscore kill. We also have a Patreon, which helps provide um, equipment and hosting fees for us. Shout out to Jenna, our highest tier donor. We love you and we appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um... Excited to see what Nia DaCosta does next. Excited to see what Jordan Peele does next. Mm -hmm. uh, the trailer nope. for for Nope. Oh, yes. that was so good. I I'm still like not totally sure what it's going to be about, but everyone is guessing aliens, and I'm like, yes. If he's doing an alien story, yes, 
Yes. I want to do something really dumb here. Someone ask me what Nope is about. Or if I know what Nope is about. Do you know what Nope is about? Nope. Oh. Okay. I mean, sure. Sure. (laughs) That's that's my response to that. Sure. Well, thank you once more to all of our listeners. Uh, Stay safe out there. May your nightmares be plentiful. And uh, who can make the sunrise? Sprinkle it with you. (laughs) 